from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. The soy solution. We look at the growth of soybean meal around the world. I'm Michelle Rook here in Morocco to look at the potential for sales of U.S. exports. More than hot air, how a balloon is deflating the latest efforts to restore relations with our top ag export destination. And Congress tries to take on the cattle market again. They don't think there is a role for the federal government in determining what is an appropriate level of negotiated trade. Why some want the government to stay out of it right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Lawmakers are taking another shot at trying to pass legislation to fix the cattle market. Last week, farm state senators reintroduced a bill that would, among other things, mandate the amount of cash trade in the cattle market. But as Ag Day's Michelle Rook reports, the same hurdles for passage remain in the House and Senate. Clinton farm state senators, including Chuck Grassley of Iowa, Deb Fisher of Nebraska, Ron Wyden of Oregon, and John Tester of Montana, plus 18 other co-sponsors, reintroduced the bipartisan Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act of 2023. It's legislation they say will improve price discovery and transparency in the cattle market. But the industry is divided in its support. The legislation would mandate regional cash minimums and equip producers with more market information, including permanently authorizing a cattle contract library. While the measure is supported by the U.S. Cattlemen's Association, the National Cattlemen's Beef Association is opposed. Our members have given us very strong and very firm policy that says that they don't think there is a role for the federal government in determining what is an appropriate level of negotiated trade. That is something for the industry to take on and something for the industry to decide for itself. And NCBA has been a very important part of that process in trying to get that done on a voluntary basis to raise some of those negotiated trades up in the interest of price discovery. Beamer says the voluntary program they instituted is working and the fact that the cattle market is recovering is proof that the market can be fixed by means other than legislating mandates. Now last year this bill did pass out of the Senate Ag Committee but was not brought up for consideration before a new Congress was elected. Beamer doesn't think the bill though has enough support in the Senate for passage and so far there is no companion legislation that has been introduced in the House. All right, thanks, Michelle. Also introduced in Congress, this time in the U.S. House. Republican Representative and Chair of the House Ag Committee, G.T. Thompson, is co-sponsoring a Waters of the United States Resolution of Disapproval. It's in response to the latest WOTUS rule issued by the EPA at the end of last year. Thompson saying, quote, farmers, ranchers, and landowners deserve a WOTUS definition that is fair to agriculture and maintains the historical reach of the Clean Water Act, neither of which is accomplished by this rule, end quote. We are still awaiting a ruling from the Supreme Court, which also challenged WOTUS. More moisture is on the way for the West. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joins us with more. And as we take a look at the precipitation map behind me for out west, we are going to be watching a few little waves here coming on through, but by no means is this going to be a big moisture producer like what we saw back into January. Let's take a look at our temperature map for this afternoon as we have got much improved temperatures here, especially across the New England coast, which did have a pretty rough weekend with again those cold, bitter cold wind chill values, 30s, 40s, 50s, even a few 60s below zero. But by this afternoon, that's a thing of the past. And as we head on into tomorrow for Tuesday here, we're going to be watching a nice subtle ridge building across to at least the eastern half of the U.S. And notice those 50s 
They're going to try to get as far north as potentially up into parts of the Chicago land area. And it's all thanks to again the subtle ridge that will be building early on into this week. We'll have to watch a few short waves though approaching the midsection of the country as we head towards the middle and latter half of this week. And that'll help to increase moisture chances once again for parts of the Tennessee and Ohio River Valleys. And if you're a winter lover, well, we're still waiting for really any big cold spells. And it still looks like throughout the month of February, much of the eastern coast is going to continue to be above average. Meanwhile, below average highs can be expected for parts of the west coast. And the views from the barn don't get much better than this. Sheldon Kurt of Dane, Wisconsin, sharing the view with us. Just beautiful. I'll morning your Ag Day forecast in just a few. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken postponed a planned diplomatic trip to China that was supposed to happen over the weekend. It comes after the discovery of this a high-altitude Chinese balloon flying over sensitive sites in Montana. Now, China claimed the balloon was a weather research airship that had blown off course. U.S. officials have described it as a surveillance vehicle. The North American Aerospace Defense Command continues to monitor it closely. While we won't get into specifics in regards to the exact location, I can tell you that the balloon continues to move eastward and is currently over the center of the continental United States. Again, we currently assess that the balloon does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground at this time, and we'll continue to review, uh, excuse me, continue to monitor and review options. The development came just before Blinken was due to depart Washington for Beijing, marking a new blow to already strained U.S.-Chinese relations. New today, an assistant secretary of the Air Force is weighing in on a Chinese company's plan to build a corn mill near a base in North Dakota. Now take a look at this letter from the Assistant Secretary Andrew Hunter to the senators there in North Dakota. It's regarding the debate surrounding Chinese-owned Fufan USA's plan to build a milling plant in Grand Forks, about 15 miles from the Air Force Base. Secretary Hunter says, quote, the proposed project presents a significant threat to national security with both near and long-term risks of significant impacts to our operations in the area. Now, this follows a recent decision by a government committee on foreign investment that it didn't have jurisdiction over the project. The mayor, it's requesting the project be stopped. The COO for the company's American subsidiary tells the Grand Forks Herald his company is not an espionage threat and is not owned by the Chinese government. U.S. ethanol exporters now adjusting to renewed taxes on shipments to Brazil. Brazilian government announcing it's ending a tax exemption on imports of the fuel. It was previously suspended by President Bolsonaro in order to help reduce fuel costs. New President Lula da Silva says Brazil can supply its own fuel and says importers will have to pay a 16% tax to enter Brazil. Now that lasts till the end of the year. It's set to rise to 18% in 2024. Da Silva is set to meet with President Biden in his first trip to D.C. on February 10th. Cargill has closed its grain elevator located in Portage, Indiana. The elevator, which handled corn, soybeans, and wheat, was located on the shores of Lake Michigan. The company saying in a statement it decided not to renew its lease for the facility because of, quote, several different contributing factors, which include the current and projected market environment, end quote. Port officials say they have received several inquiries from companies interested in expanding the facility. Commodity prices don't always fall due to fundamentals. We'll take a look at the value of the U.S. dollar's impact to end last week. That's next in analysis. And later, finding new markets for farm products takes a lot of work. Why, Morocco might soon be an important destination for soybean meal in the country.
Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Soybeans and wheat turned lower on Friday as a skyrocketing U.S. dollar weighed on commodities. Michelle Rook is back with a preview of the week ahead in Markets Now. Friday's market closes were mostly higher in the livestock. We were mostly lower in the grains with the exception of corn futures. Darren Newsom is joining us with Bar Chart. And Darren, we kind of got cut up on Friday in the risk off outside markets and the big up in the dollar. Yeah, you know, it was interesting watching, uh, you know, the, the interplay of the dollar, euro and some other currencies. Uh, you know, technically the dollar has been building this base in here and was was due for a breakout at some point. It certainly seemed to follow through with it to close out last week. Likewise, the euro was under pressure. Everyone was wanting to point to, you know, the the, the January jobs data uh, probably had, you know, probably did bring some some buying back into the market. But again, this is something we've seen coming. It's It wasn't a huge surprise. Uh, and now we'll see how long it lasts, how long this rally lasts. Yeah, I was going to say, is that going to be the focal point as we head into this new week here? Or are we still going to be caught up in this South American tug of war between the lower Argentina crop and this big Brazilian crop? Yeah, I think that's the bigger picture for U.S. ag right now is what's going on in South America. Certainly the latest forecasts I saw calling for a couple of weeks of hot and dry across uh, Argentina, southern Brazil, supposed to really you know put the spurs to Brazilian harvest. But you know, just evaporate the rest of the hope uh, that there could be some improvement in the Argentine crop. So, you know, we're seeing it play out in the, in the markets as well, soybeans versus soybean meal. And I think that's going to, you know, as we look forward, I think that's going to continue to be the case. What about these reversals, though, in crude oil and the dollar? Will those continue to spill over and have influence? It's possible because, you know, we also have to think about we've, we've got some fund rolling coming up uh, this week. So, you know, we, we have to be careful with that, too, because funds are long still nearly all these contracts, certainly not Chicago wheat. And if they do start rolling out to deferred contracts, that could also put some pressure on the nearbys. You know, we're seeing some selling coming on into the crude oil market, uh, both commercial and non-commercial. And we'll have to see if that does spill over into grains. All right. Well, I appreciate your time as always. That is Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst with Bar Chart, and we'll have more Ag Day coming up. Meteorologist Andrew Whitmire joining us, taking a look at our national forecast. And you've got snow on here. Obviously, uh, some places getting more than others this year. Yeah, we're looking at the Intermountain West again, which is where the snow has pretty much been dominant. And that's where we're going to find it through this upcoming week. The rest of the country, winter's going to be kind of hard to come by here as we head into the first full week of February. As we take a closer look at the snowfall forecast for this week, it'll be really confined to the Intermountain West, and that's going to be about it for at least that winter type precipitation across the lower 48. We're going to be watching a few uh, subtle systems working their way through the heartland of the country, a few low pressure systems thanks to a few short waves, and that's going to keep at least uh, the bulk of the country kind of quiet, especially in the midsection here. The Pacific Northwest will continue to be a little bit active with more chances for wet weather. Meanwhile, as we head towards midweek, a Tuesday, Wednesday into Thursday, we'll be watching this uh, low, fast moving low pressure system that'll bring with it a chance for ongoing showers across parts of the deep south, Tennessee, Ohio River Valley, and then just a little bit of snow on the northern side of that system. And then right before we head on into next weekend, 
We'll begin to see this uh, cold front beginning to work its way off uh, towards the east coast and look at all the quiet weather kind of left uh, behind that uh, system. So got precipitation this week. Uh, no surprise here. We're going to continue to watch again above average uh, precipitation for parts of the Tennessee and Ohio River Valley and again kind of dry once again for parts of the middle section. And here's a look at that precipitation forecast for this week of really zooming on in onto where those greens were showing up. That's where we get some of those oranges and even some of those reds. That's an indication of two to four inches of water that we'll have to watch for across the parts of the Tennessee and Ohio River Valley for this upcoming week going into mid month. More of the same with above average precipitation. And then as we head towards the end of the month, we're still going to keep that moisture centered right over the Tennessee and Ohio River Valley and quiet down across the four corners. That's a look around the country. Now let's take a look at your Ag Day select cities. Going on over to Advent, West Virginia, mostly sunny, high 52 degrees. Going over to Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, cloudy with some light snow, high 34. And going over to northern California, sun and clouds with a high near 50 degrees. Well, recent moisture has been beneficial for future crop production in California. Many farmers are still dealing with the fallout from last summer's devastating heat wave. Now, as reported, California walnut farmers are tearing out older trees as walnut prices have plummeted well below the cost of production. The California Walnut Commission estimating the 2022 crop suffered a billion dollars in damages as hot temperatures in September cooked walnuts on trees at a critical time of the growing cycle. Later, rains led to mold problems. Up to 40% of the walnut volume was impacted. In the equipment market, it's a new week, but the same story. The Machinery Pete is here to tell it next. And later, Casablanca isn't just a movie, it may be a future destination for U.S. soybeans. We travel along as farmers work to build this developing market in the country. You may be starting to sound a little like a broken record, but Machinery Pete has something to say about broken records in the used equipment market. Well, folks, if I had a nickel for every record high auction price I've seen on a tractor the last 18 months, I'd have a broken back from carrying around all those nickels. Now, seriously, the 33 years I've been doing this, I mean, there's always been record high auction prices coming in, even in the tough times in ag. Get a certain tractor that comes along, uh, right situation, and historically, the records would be broken by, you know, $500, a thousand bucks, maybe 1,500 bucks. Well, that has just been out the window. Records have just been obliterated. Now, let me give you the latest examples, and believe me, I could give you uh, many, many more, but uh, let's start in Lynchburg, Ohio, January 28th, little farm auction by Rick Williams Auction Company. This 2000 New Holland TV 140 bi-directional. This thing only had 347 actual hours on it, so literally like new. Now you knew it was gonna sell high, but it went for $103,000. Now that broke a record from 20 years ago, 2003, and it broke it by $36,500. Now, four days later, our friends at BigIron.com, uh, their weekly sale, had this beautiful 2008 John Deere 8530 with 5,014 hours on it from Kennard, Nebraska, sell on their February 1st online auction. And it went for 210,250 bucks, which is the second highest auction price ever on 8530. But get this, if you isolate to 8530s with over 5,000 hours on it, 
This is the highest by $41,000, just incredible. And the very next day, a uh, little farm auction in Green Forks, Indiana, by our friends at Trader Real Estate and Auction, this really sharp original 1981 International 1586, 4,261 hours on it, sold for $41,100, record high auction price by $15,850. All right, thanks, Pete. Okay, so what images come to mind when you think of Morocco? Hopefully, it will soon be piles and piles of soybean meal. We travel there as U.S. farmers work to build this emerging market next. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. As new soybean crush plants come online in the race for renewable diesel and sustainable aviation fuel, the byproduct called soybean meal is going to be much more plentiful. And it makes a great livestock feed for an emerging market like Morocco, as Ag Day's Michelle Rook found out on a recent trip there. Morocco has a growing population and livestock and poultry industry, which presents a huge opportunity for growth of U.S. ag exports. Morocco is a country of 37 million people, but its population is rapidly growing and will hit 46 million by 2025, which represents huge market potential for U.S. farmers. Morocco is the fourth largest economy in Africa. In Africa, most of these areas are going to be emerging economies. Despite popular belief, the Moroccan government subsidizes food for its people, and so there is very little hunger. Like other places, there's a disparity between high income and low income. But, uh, you know, even the low income people seem to be eating well. And those consumers are adding more protein into their diet. These other countries are hungry. There's a lot of people out there and they all get a taste of that good quality meat and they want more of it. However, as a Muslim country, there is no pork production. So poultry is the leading source of protein. Poultry production is the most dynamic element of animal production in Morocco. Moroccan eat over 55% of the meat is coming from poultry. Most Moroccans consume poultry fresh, but there is a shift happening in the protein sector. We have a young population. There are changing habits. There is more urbanization. There is more search of easy solutions for preparing food. Water is scarce in this arid climate, so the farmers raise fruits and vegetables, olives, and small grains like wheat, but very few row crops. So feed ingredients are mostly imported. The long-term longer growing grains like soybeans are just not something that they can embrace here given their climate. Their uh, soybean meal and their soybeans and their uh, DDGs is almost is a hundred percent imported here. In Morocco is already a large importer of U.S. ag products in part due to a long trading relationship and free trade agreement between the two countries. So we have zero duty so it allowed us to be that the product, American product will be more competitive. So there is tremendous potential for U.S. farmers to increase sales into this market in the near future. As their population grows, as they become more successful, more profitable to eat more protein in their diet, I think it's a great opportunity for our, our U.S. producers to export, uh, in particular, soybean meal. In Morocco, I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day.
All right, thanks, Michelle. Tomorrow she'll be back with part two, where she looks at the growing protein sector and what that can mean for U.S. soybean meal demand. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.